Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Carrie Johnson. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Research Director Keith Johnston to discuss the ongoing challenge of CMO-CIO collaboration and how to bridge that gap. Welcome, Keith. Thanks for having me. So, Keith, can you just talk a little bit about what's happening today? Because it feels like, and you made mention of this in a blog post you wrote, this has been in the news or articles have been written and we've written research about the imperative of CMO and CAO collaboration. So what is the state of the state? Yeah, I mean, we're we're two decades uh, in since the internet started uh, dismantling the CMO uh, position a little bit. And, uh, you know, technology just has has become an imperative uh, in the role. And so for years, we've been talking about um, how the CMO and the CIO or CTO, depending on what kind of company you are, um, need to be in sync. They need to be partners. They need to be uh, both part of the business. And then when you go and you look to see how many really good partnerships there are, you can't find them. We spent six months trying to find great pairs of CMO, CIOs. And um, we know that when we do find them that works, the business is is very driven, it's very healthy, um, great operational uh, health and great business health. Um, but we just haven't been able to find many of them. And we know just because they're, they're very divergent roles and they're both changing very rapidly. So uh, if they haven't come to, together now, I mean, there's a question of whether they ever come together. So what do you think is contributing to this? I mean, I think you had made mention misaligned goals. Are, are there yeah. bigger, almost infrastructure-like things that are in the way here? Well, they, they both look at the world very differently. And if the goals aren't aligned, they're just, they can't come together. Sure. And so, you know, the CMO sees the, uh, the customer as their consumers. Um, uh, they're an arbiter of the brand and they want to do anything they can to, you know, create both short and long-term uh, health uh, for the company. That short term is kind of sticky because mm-hmm. that means moving fast, making decisions, um, not necessarily wanting to go through a process that uh, perhaps the CIO is is bound to. Um, it's just a different way of of looking at the world. You also have tenure. Um, CIOs are often around for a long time. They're attached to the infrastructure. They secure the data. They know where the assets are. They um, it's just keeping the things that the company needs uh, running. The CMO is working at a quarter-to-quarter basis of just going to find growth. So I think what you're starting to allude a little bit to with the quarter-to-quarter growth and speed for CMOs is investment in technology that created a bit of a shadow IT mm. or market within companies. Yeah, without a doubt. I get the sense in reading through some of the work and the research and just thinking about why these two groups of people are so far apart is that that shadow IT and marketing investing in their own technology has just driven the wedge even further between them. How, like how big is that as a contributing factor? We have an entire new generation of tech debt. Mm. Um, a lot of that is because of these, you know, ad hoc point systems that you need, um, innovations, uh, you know, whether it be additional channels that the CMO needs to deal with uh, to have a really strong omni-channel strategy. Uh, the amount of partners, um, even the agency landscape, um, has made it tough for the CIO and CMO relationship. Um, you know, CIO, uh, you know, may rely on a lot of IT integrators um, and, and service providers in, in that way. 
Um, the CMO um, has their agencies. They have their digital agencies. They may have their social agencies. Um, and now you have a lot of consultancies getting you know involved in the CMO's budgets. And what about to the technology point, the like data debt also that's happening here? Because with that technology and accumulation of customer prospect data, there's also that island that's happening within the marketing yeah. organization as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's, there's lots of data everywhere, and the CMO in particular is clamoring to use it. Um, so we've been doing a lot of collecting and not a lot of using uh, mm-hmm. over the years. Um, some of that is because of these additional point systems and these new channels, uh, you know, proliferating. Um, you know, uh, infrastructure is not uh, mo- uh, being reconfigured, um, you know, uh, quick enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also, it's just the, the CIO tends to work in, uh, in longer term contracts, you know, uh, you know, two, three, 10 years of an agreement. Um, you know, marketing doesn't move that slow. Uh, you know, changes in technology, uh, whether it be, you know, prog- programmatic media platforms or CRM or what have you. They change in six and 12 month increments now. And so given that speed factor, we've talked a lot about moving fast or being agile or adaptive. Is it a perception of things being slow in IT or is that in fact a reality? Is is perception here part of the problem because there's no communication? Those executives aren't talking or is that the reality on the ground? I think uh, perception. I mean, you know, uh, history is a barrier to progress. Yeah. You know, so um, there is a there is a, perfe- a perception. And so, you know, if the CMO just says, hey, I'm going to throw my hands up. I just can't deal with this relationship anymore. And so it's like that's not a, a good way to have a relationship. And so some of the CMO CIO relationships we did find, um, uh, they genuinely enjoy um, dealing with business problems together. Mm-hmm. They enjoy each other's company. They've built <laughs> bonds and relationships, you know. How old-fashioned. Right. It seems, though, that when we think about CMO turnover, which is much discussed, right? Yeah. What is it? Two mo- two years, 18 months. Yeah, how fluctuates is there, between 18 and 24 months. How is there even time to establish those relationships? And just to call people on their stuff a little bit here, if it's about history, they're really talking about history at another company, probably. Sure, without. Right? Yeah. So, like, I feel like to some degree they got to get over that too and be open to new relationships as they enter each new company since apparently they're doing it so frequently as well, right? Yeah, I I agree. I mean, we we often say this, you know, just, you know, buck up. I mean, just, you know, be the bigger person. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, and just, you know, go, uh, you know, we tell CMOs to go in with great intention uh, and be very deliberate to build those relationships so that you don't get yourself caught in the situation where, um, you may want something done really fast, and uh, your your technology leader uh, counterpart uh, may have not be used to moving at that speed. But if you have a relationship, if you're building that bond, if they understand the why, you know as much as the what, mm-hmm. um, your technology partners will be on board. They'll they'll help you in in whatever capacity they can. So you had mentioned that you had a hard time finding great examples yeah. of the CMO CIO collaboration, but. Were there a few examples that you can kind of surface here? Anything? That you can share so we can see above and beyond the relationship building, which, you know, seems obvious and foundational. Were there other things that we can point to? And one of my fears is that it's the only good ones we can likely point to are startup-like cultures, mm. yeah. right? Where everyone's so aligned toward a common mission of growth anyway. 
And that was going to be one of my questions for you too. Yeah, the the ones the ones that we found that worked the most were the ones that were they were both integral in the business. Mm. Um, there was an idea that um, a, a digital business transformation, if you will, takes two. Um, you know, and so um, you know, and and frankly, um, when there was great alignment, you know, some of them were a little reluctant to to talk about it. Right? There's like a there's a span of control that the CMO is trying to garner because, you know, they're really, um, you know, their feet is to the fire. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's, you know, we've quoted it many times that the fastest growing tech to- technology uh, budgets are in the CMO suite. Um, but having said that is that it was obvious when the CIO felt like a business partner, um, they felt like they were enabling the customer experience as well as the employee experience. Um, and the CMO was often aligned with the brand that were, they were creating for consumers as much as the brand that they were creating for employees. When you saw those dynamics, you saw the relationship work because they were o- both taking part uh, in the success of the company. And uh, they were never reduced to their role, that, that box that's created by the title sometimes. This seems like an interesting moment in time for the CMO and trying to you know be the better person, be really business focused with a CIO. You mentioned in the last years in our prediction series for the CMO that we were going to see that role decline. Yeah. The number of CMOs decline. So, you know, I'm picturing like this, you know, flailing CMO trying to find their place in the world and then trying to lead this kind of change with a CIO. It doesn't actually sort of compute in my mind. Yeah, totally. The, the, the marketing in CMO, the M, um, is not doing any service uh, in a time where it's all about growth and mm. great customer experience and all that stuff. Uh, marketing is, is somewhat limited, even though it's evolved over the last two decades. Um, and so, you know, we see a lot of companies that are having urgency, whether there's competition, um, you know, the DTC companies are writing new rules, whether this trend's consistent, you know, uh, stays, uh, you know, growing or not, we don't know. Uh, but they're writing new rules at which, uh, you often in these DTC companies, uh, direct consumer, um, have uh, a chief customer officer and their span of control is great. It is basically everything that governs. Uh, the customer is what they have their hands on. And it seems like a huge job. Um, but if you think about it, if you just have one decision maker and one person that understands the budget and how a bunch of departments are aligned, they're probably not making every decision. But if the buck stops with them, then you remove a lot of walls. They're certainly setting priorities. Sure. Mm-hmm. Getting everyone aligned behind them. Totally. It's... it's um, some of these positions are are like are very CEO like. Mm-hmm. They're like and 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 often uh, you know and we see uh, that a lot, particularly in the DC uh, companies, that, that these chief customer officers, these chief growth officers, they're in next in line to be the CEO. Um, and and that's you know that's a that's a growing trend. We looked at the S and P five hundred. We tracked them very well. Um, we've seen a lot of logos pop where the CMO went away and they haven't been replaced um, in huge spending companies, uh, McDonald's and, and uh, Keith Weed at Unilever, um, you know, where brand matters and media spend matters, um, at which the CMO roles goes away. I mean, it's, 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 so it's not the same human. 
no. they're getting replaced by a different person with yeah. different skills. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, and then you're having, and sometimes it works. It becomes a little freeing because the brand is is freed to go into right. the customer experience. Right. Uh, you may have a chief experience officer or just somebody in charge of experience that is very aligned with the person that's uh, in charge of marketing mm-hmm. underneath this chief growth or chief customer officer. Uh, you know, whatever the title may be. Right. We're at a point where I don't I don't think that the CMO title matters that much because we're in so much evolution. Because in, in a lot of cases, we're seeing that that um, building a brand, that ethos around building a great brand for sustained growth is becoming more important than ever. Um, we see that customer experience plus brand uh, plus the emotions that you create relationship is more and more important than ever because CX, uh, the CX index indicates that you know uh, customer experience scores are, are flat or declining in many areas uh, because we can't keep the pace of technology and the expectations. Um, so you're going to see more, more changes. You're going to see more... Uh, meaning brought back for marketing. Um, but I don't know if it's in the same place in the C-suite. Right. Yeah, but it's m- marketing plus right. these other things. I think that's right. the point, right? It's like the title is no longer a good indicator of what people should be doing. Yeah, and I think we I think we all struggle with it because there's so much heritage in the title. Mm-hmm. It's really not that old of a title, um, but it's very prideful, uh, you know, to, to get the coveted CMO title um, because it means something. Uh, to a lot of folks. Uh, and you've seen other brands where uh, uh, General Motors had, now has a global CMO. I don't, I don't think that you've ever had a global CMO. And so, you know, there's other companies that are putting a, a, an emphasis on it. But for every one of those, there's five CMO jobs going away mm-hmm. or being changed. You had mentioned um, the CEO briefly in your response earlier. What is the CEO's responsibility in this mix of encouraging this collaboration, making sure that the right hand's talking to the left hand or whatever, you know, phraseology you want to use there. Well, the CEO is certainly the one that can align goals, um, you know, uh, aligning and it's, it's often uh, jarring for, uh, you know, aligning CIO goals uh, with CMO goals because it, now you're talking about uh, we're both responsible for revenue. We're both responsible for uh, the customer, um, uh, it, it means it means pivoting the CIO role, which you know I know, uh, you know our CIO CIO team you know look at the CIO becoming more uh, more part of the business right. um, for their own relevancy, um, and then you know they can align on things where uh, make decisions that are best for the customer um, or the employee. I mean, customer obsession is about you know uh, you know being obsessed with the consumer as much as the employee, so. You know, if the uh, chief technology officer or CIO is looking at their own employees as their customer, um, there's a lot of kinship in, in looking at the world that way um, because the CMO looks, at, you know, is obsessed about the consumer, you know, for sure. Use the word consumer, which makes me think of um, B2C versus B2B differences here. Yeah. It feels like some of the principles we've been talking about make a lot of sense in B2C where you can innovate the customer experience. I'm not saying you can't in B2B. But it feels like B2B is about leads, right, yeah. often mm-hmm. and from a CMO perspective. Yeah. Anything interesting there in terms of what we're seeing in the B2B world or as much of the goodness happening in B2C? Yeah, B2C is hard. Um, uh, it's, getting, it's, it's getting pretty difficult uh, to get uh, a customer's loyal and keep them and, and get enrichment in, in the relationship. Um, B2B, um, I think, is in a, in a period where it's taking a lot of pieces from the B2C uh, mm. playbook 
um, you know, is is worrying about uh, the relationship uh, from company to company a lot more. And so that requires a brand that requires a different kind of relationship. Um, so, you know, but also in B2B, there's, uh, there's probably, a, there's a lot more um, sometimes operational complexity with, you know, working with sales, uh, doing sales sure. enablement and doing all those things that aligns them with their, their technology counterpart, um, probably a little bit stronger. Yep. Um, and it may be a bit slower pace, you know, too. True. Uh, not all worlds, uh, obviously, you know. And also nobody wants to be the CIO, CMO team that disrupted the way that the sales force works and right. blew up sales that year. Yeah. It's a more delicate environment too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. One of the things that you'd mentioned, I think in this research was this notion of cross-functional teams. So not only just like the CMO and CIO collaborating, but as you get down into the ranks, that this is something that needs to go down within the organization. Yeah. Right. So knowing that there's not a ton of great examples at the C level, how realistic is it that these cross-functional teams, whether they're like, formally set in an organization or is just like a working group environment actually happen? Almost always in leadership um, is that, you know, your folks will uh, emulate what they see mm -hmm. at the top. And so when we see really great partnerships with the CIO and the CMO, um, inevitably the teams, um, you know, work well together. They collaborate, they mix, mm -hmm. um, uh, even share resources. Uh, so, you know, that, uh, you know, it's a it's an attitudinal shift, mm. uh, but when they when they see it, they emulate it themselves. You mentioned history that feeds a lot into how CMOs or NCM CIOs, for that matter, behave today. Just thinking farther out, is this going to be a problem later? If I think about the next generation of folks that are growing up in these roles, whatever they're called, right? Yeah. Is that what it's going to take to fix some of this? Is it a you know have we done work and thinking about what the next generation looks like. I hope they don't carry the same baggage as kind of where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think as, as time goes on, there, there will be, uh, there will be changes and sometimes you got to like just break the whole thing down and rebuild it. Um, so, you know, we're at that pivot, you know, where the, the system around the chief marketer has, has been brutal for a while. Um, whether it be uh, the role itself or the partners that he or she uses, um, so as that changes and as there's a, uh, a lot more shared resources uh, where, um, you know, uh, consultancies and tech vendors are not just the CMOs uh, thing to deal with, but also the CIOs thing to deal with. As those things come together, um, you're probably going to see a change. And we, we talk about changing the role because I think it's easy to put that uh, finger on that. But um, forget the title, uh, just the mindset shift. Um, will change, uh, you know, the, you know, CTO has as much to do with Adobe as the CMO does, you know, and so when those partners start to align, uh, certainly the roles will start to align. So part of building a relationship, obviously, is putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. So how much of that is happening today or will need to, to happen to make this actually work? Yeah, I like I like this idea, and we saw it in some of the best relationships. Is that um, in this mindset of customer obsession, where customers is the consumer, the uh, the customer themselves, and you know, a customer as employee. Mm. Um, when when they both look at the world that way, there's a lot more uh, empathy and a lot more trust 
uh, in the relationship that uh, I need your technology prowess as much as I may need your business acumen um, and vice versa. When a CIO understands the pressure of the CMO um, and understands a little bit more of the why instead of the what, so they're not just an order taker, um, there's a bond that's built on that. You know, uh, let's do what's best for the customer. Let's do what's best for the employee. Um, that seems to be, you know, alignment. So it's not about what you, your remit is or what my remit is. It's about what our remit is or our responsibility to the company is to make sure that our customers and our employees are happy. Is it also that whether it's the CMO or the CIO, that they could help the other or together create that seat at the table? Totally. Totally. As much as the, uh, we see uh, where we see a lot of dysfunction, um, you know, within the, the ranks of, of marketers where, um, you know, a company is going through a massive transformation, very, you know, digital transformation, any kind of business uh, transformation, uh, you'll see that the CMO is not involved in a lot of those decisions, particularly the ones where there's an emphasis on technology. In the same way, the CIO is fighting for relevance on Mm -hmm. trying to be more a part of the business, wants to be able to choose technologies or choose experiences that they know will be integral in um, helping the company through this transformation. So when you look at that, you know, the CIO can bring the CMO along within these technology decisions, make them a part of it so that uh, the technology decisions are done on behalf of the brand and the customer. And the CMO can get the CIO much more involved. Uh, again, it comes down as not to be an order taker, but bring them into the business because they're fighting for relevancy too. I mean, you know, as, as you know, cloud, low code, no code, more things be are serviced outside of the organization. You know, the CIO, CIO is, 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 is clamoring for some control as well. Maybe as a fun exercise then. <laughs> um, what CMOs and CIOs could do to get started is find a new project. Yeah. Right? Versus we're trying to implement new technology that overhauls legacy issues and you start to get into weird, you know, that was ours, that was theirs. As they work on an innovation project, this is a perfect place to say we have a shared goal to bring something new to our customers. Yeah. And let's go about this in an aligned way that we couldn't necessarily in other parts of the business. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's starting fresh uh, with something is always easier than, you know, kind of unwinding something because there's always a lot of decisions. And you talked about like, you know, some of the history maybe in another company. It's like, you know, uh, a lot of CMOs uh, think the first thing they need to do is undo technology. Uh, That's not a great place to start with a relationship. Um, So, you know, looking for those opportunities, uh, we see uh, a lot of the the QSRs that we talked about who are, you know, put an emphasis on uh, loyalty programs. Um, You know, well, uh, loyalty programs are not simple as spinning up an app. Loyalty programs are connected to POS systems. There's, you know, how do you uh, burn and churn the points? Um, What are the logistics of that? Uh, Where's the record of truth so that, you know, the customer can have, you know, a, a personalized experience? Those are a lot of connected data points. Um, those are, uh, there's many interfa- interfaces. Like, you know, uh, some of the best relationships we saw in that category were because they started with something like that. And so they worked out the challenges, uh, both the technical and business challenges together. Um, and that's a great place to start. Because then what you'll find out is that, you know, the, 
the CIO will, will understand why they need to sunset or move on on a piece of technology that needs to enable that speed, you know? And so they're part of the solution. And so to be, again, being told like, you have to undo that technology that's been installed for, you know, a decade, you know? Right. You spent all, all this time. All this time, all this money, all yep. this effort, you know, you want me to adapt a new code base and, you know, all my talent is working around one specific language or infrastructure and like, so, you know, there's often it's like CIOs like, you do not understand what you're asking me to do. So we're staring down the face of 2020. Certainly executives are doing planning at this point. What should CMOs be thinking about as this, as their backdrop? Yeah. So as it relates to the CMO-CIO relationship, um, you know, there's a there's a prediction that, you know, we see a lot of evidence on, and this this came off of some great research that we put on stage, on the main stage at Cannes, um, which is uh, with CX scores flattening, um, a whole lot of technology has been bought, particularly over the last seven years. When you look at tech spend, uh, it's like a hockey stick, yet overall productivity across the country is has been on an incline in that, that same increment. Um, you know, all the disruptors that are coming in uh, into uh, different verticals and market is, is, is going to cause people to put a lot more investment um, in bringing together uh, brand and CX uh, and um, creating some differentiation because we're in this sea of sameness where everybody's got the same tech. We've been spending so much dollars over the last seven years uh, on technology. And I don't think that we've put a a creative or a strategic calibration on some of this tech spend. Um, we see that starting to happen where you have to differentiate in your category. Um, you need to find something unique. So there's going to be this pivot back to human ingenuity, which also means let's go back to the CIO uh, or the CTO and let's really talk about the technology that we acquired, why we've, we've bought it. What do we need to do to really differentiate ourselves in the marketplace? and make changes based on that strategy, but do it together this time around. Like I said, we, we've a lot of companies talk to us about the amount of tech debt that they've assumed now, just adding on point system after point system um, to the point that you know a lot of CMOs have just stopped spending and uh, because they've acquired a lot of technology they're not using. So you know, there, that lens uh, of creativity and strategy being applied to technology buying decisions uh, is something we're going to see a lot more of in 2020 and beyond. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.